at the beginning, Pride was never just about homosexuality. It was about everything else. It, it was about racism, it's about discrimination, it's about xenophobia, it's about Islamophobia. And then as time went by, all of these things got dropped down. For me, I just want more black, non-queer people to be part of the story in terms of pushing the whole community. When we talk about, I don't know, for example, being a black woman, that includes black queer women, non-binary and trans black women, you know? Like we should be talking as a collective when I'm saying this is a black person, all that intersectionality comes with it. This is the official UK Black Pride Time Capsule podcast, a celebration of black and brown, queer joy and togetherness. In this limited edition series, we've literally bottled the essence of the UK Black Pride celebrations. Everything you're about to hear was recorded in the summer of 2022 and the audio files will be sealed underground at the Olympic Park as a powerful legacy for generations of our people to come. If you're young, black and queer, and you're listening to my voice in the future, my name is Iwan Obinyan. Welcome home. What you know about skill, talent, vigor, vim, you, her, them, him, that's birthright's way, that's potent, that knowledge, that energy, smoke, sunshine through the UK showers, south ends where it all got started, it's mine. In this episode, I spoke with Aisha Shaibu Lenoir, Head of Community Engagement at UK Black Pride, about her role, her mission, the importance of community and community building, and the ways we can form meaningful connections, both within the Black LGBTQ community and externally. Thank you so much, Aisha, for agreeing to be a part of the UK Black Pride Time Capsule podcast. I really appreciate it. No, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. I've been waiting to do this. Yes, so, yes, good. me too. And I, I guess the first thing I've, I need to say is a massive congrats on the biggest UK Black Pride yes, to yes, date. Yes, yes, yes. Incredible achievement. Honestly, we just can't believe it. I mean, we know it's getting bigger and bigger, but it's just so wonderful to like to be part of this time and yeah. to be part of history yeah. and to see it and to live it. Um, yeah, it's an exciting time. Absolutely. What What did it feel like though? To, I mean, you guys stood at this on the stage at the end. What did it feel like to stand on that stage in front of all of those people, knowing it's not just the biggest for UK Black Pride; it's the biggest in the world. That's the thing. <laughs> this is not a little thing, you know. No. Bigger than LA, bigger than New York, Atlanta. You think of the world, and you think of all the beautiful places where we have queer Black people and mm -hmm. people of color, mm -hmm. and for us to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to even describe it. Yeah. It's euphoric. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. Absolutely. What was the final turnout in the end? I did Quite hear soon. some murmurings of 25,000. Definitely with hit. Yeah, it was over 25,000. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. yeah That's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. sellout gig at like the O2. That's the thing. 
that's the thing. And I feel like even if we were open earlier, mm-hmm. there'll be even more people. Because people are coming back and forth all day. Right. And even after it ended, it looked like it just started. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was in... I was trapped in yeah. an audio van yeah, all day yeah, yeah. but even I could feel the energy of the the crowd that was there yeah that's incredible I guess we're gonna go back to the beginning because I kind yeah. of got went straight into the conversation <laughs> no worries um, can you tell me um, who you are and how you're connected to UK Black Pride and what you do at UK Black Pride no absolutely so my name is Aisha Shaibulanoa so I'm the head of community engagement for UK Black Pride and uh, I don't know I've, I've lost count of how long it's been now yeah. but what for five years That's, this might be my sixth year at UK Black Pride nice yeah what does it take to put on an event like UK Black Pride because it, it's the scale of it <laughs> when I think about even just getting the park <laughs> never mind all the stores and the gear and the stage and the artist, and the, do you know what I mean? The list goes on and Ooh. on and on and on. <laughs> Literally. It's not an easy task, but I must say, having Lady Phil, having somebody who has been doing it for so many years, you know, she's a powerful, incredible woman that has been giving space to our community. And I feel like having this, you know, figure to lead it, to drive it, is so important. And then... Next is having the team that are able to kind of are ready to kind of take on the challenge as well. A lot of us do so much outside of UK Black Pride. So it's about utilizing our skills and our experience and coming together for UK Black Pride. Yes. Because UK Black Pride for me is bigger than me. It's bigger than all of us. Mm-hmm. So I think this is why it works so much to be having people like Alexia, like myself, like Josh, like Aaron, you know, like Chloe, all these people in the team that have incredible experience and they can utilize their skills to bring us all together. And then all of our other volunteers within UK Black Pride and then 100 people that volunteer on the day as well. It's a beautiful, big operation that takes months <laughs> I can imagine you're probably already starting planning for next year yep yep we, <laughs> and don't we just have had a it last month that's it we don't have a choice we take a little break and you know as probably lady Phil was saying also is the fact that when it's over yeah. the event is it's never over because there's so much to do as well after the event is finished what I like about it is it's doing White society and white countries are very individualistic. And that Mm. works for white people, Mm. I think. Because for whatever reason, it just works. Um, But I've always thought that black people are more communal, whether we like to admit it or not. We tend to do better in community than on our own. I see that. And I would agree with that, yeah. Do you see what I mean? Absolutely, yes, 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 yes. So then when I think about UK Black Pride, it's an army of black and brown people who come together to put on the biggest... Black Pride in, in the, the world, world. and together. Yes, 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 yes. And that's what's so powerful. And you know what? When you said that, I know there's a few, there was a few um, white people that were there, you know, supporters and allies, partners of UK Black Pride. And they were saying, when we talk about a community, when we talk about authenticity, UK Black Pride is. And I think this is what also you're saying, because yeah. nobody can replicate it. no. The energy, the people, the power, the heart. Yes. That comes through on the day. And if you've never been to UK Black Pride, and if you've never been to an event like that, when you truly turn up and see it, Mm -hmm. then you get it. Right. 
You have to be there. You have to be to there. Understand. And somebody, one of them was saying that to me. They're like, Aisha, this is what we speak about in the boardroom that we try to do, but they can't do it because it's not easy. Yeah. And it's not the same. It's not a recipe that you can. It's no. something that comes from our heart and from yeah. our soul. Right. It's the village. It's the village. And if you don't have the village, it doesn't matter what you plan, how many spreadsheets you do. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It doesn't happen you know? like that. Yes. Ooh. Yes, it's it's powerful. And yeah. I'll just, like whoever's listening, if you've never been, next year, year after, yeah. get yourself down to UK yes. Black Pride. Yes. It's nothing like you've ever been before. Absolutely. One of the things that came through in all of the interviews, I was in that van for like eight hours. I don't know why <laughs> I chose to do that. But every person who came in, one of the constant words that kept coming up was home the moment they walk through those gates home it's the home that all of us like want some of us have had it some of us wish to have it and some of us are building it and it's so important because we know not everybody gets the chance to feel safe at home or to feel like themselves so absolutely home is UK Black Pride. Wow, so you're you're in there, you're part of that core team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's been a, it's been a journey like anything because I just I started just volunteering because I wanted to give back. It's something I've always done since I was in Norwich. I was part of a refugee and asylum seeker charity over there, and I wanted to kind of carry on some of that work in supporting the community. What's your connection to the founding team? Like, how did you sort of progress? I guess from a volunteer into the role that you have now yeah so I actually met Alexia at UK Black Pride so that's where we first met yeah so UK Black Pride it's more than just an event for us it's It's a love story it really is so yeah it it plays a big big part and to have Lady Phil you know because she is Alexia's big sis and she's become my sis now so to have her at our wedding to give Alexia away and to be able to play a crucial role um it's just so beautiful because it just ties everything together you know it was also essentially the reason why we met you know i feel we would have met in another setting yeah but it happened there yeah and so that's the perfect setting it is the perfect setting yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that's and amazing yeah so alexia was already at uk black pride and then i told her i also wanted to volunteer and then it kind of evolved from there but that's not all. She's no longer your girlfriend. She's your wife. You recently got married. A huge congratulations. Yes, I did. I am a missus. Whoop, 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 whoop. Yes, I'm married. Um, yeah, it was another beautiful day. Do you know what? Just to have all of your favorite people yeah. in one place, yeah. it's just nothing like I've ever felt before. Yeah. And both of us were just so happy and we enjoyed the day. Yeah. I know often people go, oh, I wish I enjoyed it a bit more, but we truly took the time to enjoy it. Yeah. And it helps because Alexia is a wedding planner. Nice. Um, That's very so useful. Very, very <laughs> useful. And it's nice to be able to both use our skills and to enjoy the day and to be together and to celebrate with our friends, but also to celebrate our love because it's also about us. And I think sometimes we always want to think about other people, but it was important to like enjoy the day too and like, Enjoy our moment. Absolutely. And it looked so beautiful. Oh, thank you. The pictures are just stunning. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely stunning. 
how is married life? Is there even, is there a difference? <laughs> like so, like Saturday, for example, you get married, yeah. And yesterday on Friday you were not, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now on Sunday you are. Is there a difference? Does it feel different? Yeah, being married feels amazing. Yeah, just because it's that it's not just about security, but it's about celebrating your love and then also having that new chapter new chapter to explore and to do things together and I never thought I wanted to get married but for me to be able to know that if anything was to happen to me or to her that we're both looked after we're both together Mm -hmm. and to be able to have a document that kind of showcases the fact that we are a married couple and that for me is so important you know because you know the pandemic happened you know we're still in it essentially and so many people you know when you get ill not being able to see your partner or make decisions like both of us will be heartbroken you know because you do have to be married be a partner be a husband a wife or whatever in this society so yeah it's, it's a very important part to bond that family and to bring all your family and friends together so for me I see marriage as that, as that unity and security you know it's so important and it's interesting because I don't know what your family is when it comes to sort of queerness and, and stuff. But I know like coming from an African sort of very homophobic family, so it's the same story that mm. so many people have. But it's just this idea of marriage is the only thing that protects your union from them as soon as you die, mm. telling your partner to piss off. That's true. We don't recognize you. Absolutely. Even if you've been together 20 years. That's true. It protects yeah. against that, right? Yeah, it really yeah. does. I mean, my family have been so supportive. Yeah, Alexia keeps like her, my mom just text is chavered it'll be on the phone I think she speaks to my mom more than I speak to her (laughs) which is I love that yeah which I love it because I'm like what's mom been up to and she gives me like the download I'm like this is great I don't have to call every day (laughs) (laughs) we can share the load (laughs) which is honestly so lovely so lovely to have that how what was that journey then for your family is it that your family were always open or has there been like a process a transition for them getting to that point I think it took time just like anything because you know my mom comes from an older generation she moved to the UK and then friends family you know being so traditional I think the biggest thing is they're always worried about what other people will say and I think at some point she just kind of stopped caring and she you know even when she was younger you know she was like I knew queer people they know we've always existed there's a lot of things that kind of been put upon our community, you know, African community to showcase the fact that being queer is on African, you know, religion. And again, we know this came from colonization, you know, queer people have always existed in Africa. So it's like for them to unlearn that is so difficult. You know, and then I guess being in the UK helps because, you know, it opens up your horizon, you interact with so many people. My mum has always had gay friends. You know, so I think that has helped a bit, but still very difficult when it's your own child. But she was, she tried. I think it's it's always going to be a process. And, you know, my wedding day, she she was in pieces. She loves, you know, the fact that I'm happy. And I think that's what most African parents need to understand. You want your child to be happy, regardless of who that is with. And I think once, like, they truly get it, it makes everything easier. At some point, some of her friends and people she knows, extended family, because they knew I was queer, they wanted to speak to me because they thought they could be queer. The oh. aunties that you didn't know that are queer, Whoa. they're like, Aisha, um, where do I go clubbing? Oh, 
that's so beautiful. I love that. Because, you know, for so long, I mean, the chances are quite high to be queer in our community mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But we always are silenced. So some of them are quite, you know, they only figured it out when they're older. Mm-hmm. It's like, where do you go? Yes. You're in your 50s now. You're in 60s. You got married. You have children. You know, it's very, very difficult. So I think it's good that more and more of us, like the younger generation, are being more visible, we're out, because that's also encouraging them. So, yeah, it's, I think it's truly important. Absolutely. That's, that's so heartwarming. My mum's still on that journey. She's also very religious. Is your mum quite religious? Yeah, she was brought up quite religious. Okay. Um, but then I think being in the UK, I think it's just about understanding and learning and yeah. having kind of mutual respect, isn't yes. it? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It takes well, time. It takes time. It, yeah. It really does. It takes time. And there's so many like ups and downs in that journey. There's moments where you think you're making progress. And then you go back. And then you go back. And then you go back. Yeah. <sighs> and it's yeah, it's very difficult. And I feel like it's it's not easy at all. And you know, it really depends on where you are. But also the one thing I keep saying to people is there's a time when if it becomes so toxic you know, sometimes you might have to take a little step back. You know, like we won, we won this expectation, we won our family, not just family, friends, colleagues, like we need you to understand right now. And when they don't and it's so difficult and you keep hurting yourself, sometimes it's good to take a little step step back. You know, not to like not have that relationship, but to kind of protect yourself a little bit. Yes. So that you can also grow into yourself. I'm having to, I've had to learn to let go of the expectations. I think that's where the pain is, like you say. But then when you say protect yourself, what does that look like for you? What has that looked like, I guess, in your journey? Protecting myself means being able to surround myself with the right people. Okay. You know, with the right people that are supportive, with the right people that understand, you know, with your chosen family, especially this is what, for me, UK Black Pride is about, is having a chosen family. You know, having that family that understands you more, that when you come into a space, you can be your authentic self. And that's what it is. Because, you know, there are certain times when it can be so difficult. So when you protect yourself, you're able to kind of, Get through the next day when it's not, Yes. when it's difficult, when you're having trouble with your siblings, with your family. You can go, okay, it's going to be hard. It's going to take time. But at least I have these kind of um, number of friends that are my chosen family or people that I can rely on. Um, Yeah, that really helps. And that makes a big, big difference. Yeah. My name is Ivy. Oh, UK Black Pride was the most, I can't even, I can't even express it. It was the most fantastic thing I've ever come to. I first came across, it's in 2016, and it stayed with me. I met people at Leeds Pride who told me they were coming to Black Pride, and that was it for me. Every time I introduced it, I couldn't imagine anywhere I could ever find very many black queer people who just looked like me. I couldn't imagine it. I just walked prides and I was lonely. I was alone. But the minute I walked into that black pride, I knew I was home. And for me, that is something I can never forget. I was among my people. I don't know why they hide throughout the year, but yeah, black pride is a, it's a pleasure to always come to black pride.
You're welcome. Everything. Eat African food, whatever you sell, everything. When I come to Black Pride, I'm ready for anything because the music is right on it, everything is right there. The environment, meeting new people, it's the most beautiful thing. You mentioned earlier that you spent some time in Norwich. Can you speak on what it was like? finding black LGBTQ plus people to build a community with in a city where only 1.5% are black compared with over 15% in London. What was interesting is although Norwich lacked in diversity, what I was able to do was have a community. Yeah. You know, because it was smaller. You knew people. The town, you know, you're walking down the street, people know you. Yeah. And again, it's like it kind of united the people of colour or those who were refugees or migrants within that city. And when I came to London, I felt even more alone. You know, because London can be so overwhelming. There's so much going on. It can be very difficult to actually find that authentic community, your yes. friends and family. Yes. You know, whereas in Norwich, it was a few of us, but we felt far more connected and it felt real, not just in name only. So I think for me, being part of UK Black Pride was about giving a bit of that as well. Sometimes I find that particularly black queerness tends to be very London-centric in terms of visibility and space to be... I currently live in Leeds mm. and I feel like I straddle both the North and the South. And I think one of the things that I see up North is just there's a lack of those spaces where you can protect yourself. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Just because of the numbers. You're absolutely right. And I yeah. think what the pandemic has helped is to make us more digital. I mean, we've always existed digitally because of social media and stuff like that, but I'm saying beyond that. But also I find social media can be very difficult to actually find an authentic space. But I think the pandemic has perhaps opened up a different realm where you can utilize it in a way that could be really, really useful. I studied in Norwich for um, quite a few years and I stayed there for up to seven years. So it's similar to Leeds where it's not uh, very um, diverse. There's not many queer people back then when I kind of lived there. So I understand what you said. You can feel quite alone, you know. So I think having like a digital outlet or a digital community where you can kind of keep in touch and have that kind of conversation really, really is useful. But this is why I think people in London, you know, anything that's going on, we need to understand that we can't just be London-centric anymore. We need to think about what is going on throughout the whole UK and then obviously also internationally. And I think this is what is a great thing because UK Black Pride aren't just for Londoners. You know, people travel to come on the day, but also we have like more and more things that are outside of London. You know, we did this incredible um, project that is going to be ongoing every single year with our Community Action Fund. And for that is to also distribute. It's all about, for me, it's also about equity. You know, and that's UK Black Pride is that support system. We need, 
you need a lot of money to be able to also activate certain things, activate projects, to get into certain communities. With the pandemic, again, mental health, you know, has always been an issue within our community. Now, even more so, how can we provide more services? And we have been doing that. We've distributed a lot of funds outside of London, also as well as within London. So I think more and more of us need to kind of see the bigger picture as well so that all queer people of colour can feel a little bit more supported and feel like they're part of that chosen family, whether they're here with us physically like I am with you or outside. I think it's incredible. I think what's more incredible is that you are looking outside of London Mm because not many people do that. And I think that's really important. There's no question in that. It's just that I, I appreciate it, you know, as someone who lives in Leeds. So. Yeah. As head of community engagement, what have been some of your experiences trying to bring the community together to harness that community power? So I find people don't always support in the way that they should. Mm. It's almost wanting to take rather than give back. It's like, oh, I'll do this for you but I need this tag or I need this. It's this kind of weird social currency where people are wanting to level up rather than truly go and say, hey, as a community, we need to actually do better. We need to be giving. We need to be supporting. We need to be turning up, not just saying, yeah, 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 let's do that or not just seeing something happen, criticise it, but not being involved. Right. You know, you can go, hey, sis, this isn't right, but actually... This is what you can do. Yes. Can I help to make it happen? Right. Do you know what yes, I mean? Yes, yes. I find yeah. it's so easy to obviously look at something and go, that's not okay. You should have done X, Y, Z. You should do this. Yeah. But not actually wanting to be part of the solution. Yes. Because I feel that's sometimes what we lack. That's, that's what sometimes stops us from moving forward. Because when I look at other communities, you know, outside ours, they can come a lot more together. They can, like, build up through the ladder. And I find Americans understand that a bit more. You know, the black pound, they truly give within the community. They truly go, hey, I'm going to buy from this black florist. I'm going to buy from this black venue, from this black creator, you know, because they understand the power of collective unity, you know, which does really work, but I feel not a lot of us are on that same train. Yeah. Do you think, because when I think about the UK and I think about the black population in the UK, a lot of us are, I don't know whether it's first or second, but Mm. essentially our parents came. Yeah. Right? And so we're sort of like the first generation to be born here or raised here. And also when you think about how they came, they came to make a better life and go back. Yes. So they live in a perpetual state of... I'm not going to stay here. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm just here passing through. And then there's so many different groups within the black monolith. Mm -hmm. So there's like Jamaicans and everybody's, you know, I'm I'm a Jamaican British. I'm a Nigerian British. I'm a Ghanaian British. Do you see what I mean? So I wonder if that has something to do with the fact of why we don't pull together. Possibly. Do you see what I mean? Because we're quite fractured. We are fractured. And transient. Yeah, and fragmented. And also then we have the element of queerness. Yes, on top of that. On top of that. So you may be, you know, Jamaican and and queer. And Mm. that's also that element that you battle with internally and externally and throughout your whole life. And I feel like that also perhaps sometimes holds us back. Yes. Because, again, for me, we don't 
want to keep preaching to the converted black queer people. We kind of essentially understand mm-hmm. similar uh, things and some of us go through, um, yeah, similar things as well. But when we talk about, I don't know, for example, being a black woman, mm-hmm. that includes black queer women, yeah. non-binary and trans black women, you know? Like we should be talking as a collective when I'm saying this is a black person, yeah. all that intersectionality yeah. comes with it. Yeah, but the problem, I think, with the black community now is that there's a great feeling that we're struggling with so much already, being black, being a woman, socioeconomic things, and now we've also got to pay attention to your sexuality. Do you know what I mean? And so you end up with this struggle, you know? Absolutely, and adding to that is being, I guess, a black man as well. Right. You know, that has its own struggles. Right. Um, But then this reminds me similar to what's happened within Pride. So when we talk about pride and we talk about the pride movement, um, you know, for so long, like at the beginning, pride was never just about homosexuality. It was about everything else. It, it was about racism. It's about discrimination. It's about xenophobia. It's about Islamophobia. You know, there's so much that was going on in the world that a lot of people that come together, it's never just about one thing. It was about multiple things, about women's rights. Um, and then as time went by, you know, a lot of these things got dropped down. And then it became more of a narrative that, you know, white gay men took. So now it was about just gay rights. And then on the face of it, it was white people that kind of took that on and then dropped everything off. And essentially, I feel like when you look back in history and you look back at, in terms of um, the people that are part of it, once we drop that, we're kind of creating this cycle back again mm. where, as you're saying, you know, there's this kind of, um, when we talk about a black community, we think there's so much going on that we possibly cannot take everything at once. True. Yeah. But when you drop everything else, then in the next 20 30 years, you're going to look back and go, shit, we've forgotten all of this that's happened again. Yeah. And there isn't, I don't think, I think we all need to have the understanding that who we are is not just one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, as we are black and that's the first thing you see. But being black, we have all these different identities as well. Yes. And that really needs to be taken into account. Yeah. And if we don't understand that, then in terms of the changes that need to happen mm-hmm. are not going to happen in the way it should. Yeah. We're going to find ourselves being in a different place yeah. where so many people are left behind. Yeah. You know, like today, when you, you sometimes when I talk to certain people, they go, oh, we have no issues about um, sexuality within the UK anymore. Mm. You know, gay rights has been achieved, you know, but then this is predominantly yeah. because what they see is gay white people being successful. Yeah. Potomly gay white men and, you know, gay white women, you know, but what about everybody else? And I don't want it to be in the situation where, I don't know, in 20 years time, black, um, let's say black men Mm. will be successful. Black women will be successful, but yeah, yeah, black trans people are not. Non-binary people are not. Black queer women are not, you know? We can't keep dropping what doesn't suit us so that we can move forward it needs to all happen it's weird it reminds me of something a quote i want to say martin luther king Mm -hmm. but it's this idea that as long as one person isn't free none of us are truly free that's it because i think about the rolling back of abortion rights uh, which predominantly affects women yeah but through that vehicle now they're talking about they want to roll back lgbtq 
IA plus rights. So it's almost like we kind of all have to go together or not at all. (laughs) Because that's what happens when you start kind of just taking one thing. Yeah, cherry picking. Cherry picking. And again, the people who move forward tend to be those that perhaps have the most. And that tends to be to do with money, to do with influence, to do with power. Yes. You know, I mean, we look, right now, even in our political climate, there are more people of colour within government, but yet they don't reflect the wider end because, yeah. again, it's, there's so much more to that. It's nice to see everyone, like, out and about, just, like, looking really good. And, yeah, it's nice to be with friends. Yeah, I don't know. Chill? Yeah, Say something. Chill, Help me. it's chill, it's chill. Silent. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's come with their style, looking, looking the part, loving it. Hot, but not too hot. And dusty. What are you eating? <laughs> I'm eating a roti. A chickpeas roti, and it's amazing. Yeah, and coconut. Yeah, I'm just eating the flesh of this coconut, which is tasting like mm, 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 Jamaican. Mm, mm. Yeah, good, good. Natural. Yes. Natural. And we had some spicy margaritas. Yeah. Those, those were good. Happy to be around, you know, good friends, good people, and feel. Just right. Yeah. And just like good energy, like just strangers smiling at you, like it's just amazing. Like, yeah. I like it. Yeah, we could we could um Perfect. we can criticize <laughs> as well. Thank you for We like to be critical. <laughs> no, we've been critical. I mean that's the thing. we had no idea that this has been going on for like what, eighteen years. So I think over time anything becomes kind of mainstream and co opted and we there's still a lot of beautiful black faces, but we also know that there's also a lot of white volunteers, so that's kind of weird. Volunteers? As well as people just, yeah, outside of volunteering and enjoying themselves, which, yeah. It's changed when we first came in. I think now it's people are vibing better, but in the beginning it was kind of awkward. Yeah, I'm wondering why we're not, like in central London and marching through the streets and being visible and being seen and occupying space, like why are we tagged here? in East London where it's just us and nobody can see us. I don't think that's the spirit of, of Pride. Like, it's not. It feels so. like we should be marching through Soho being and like, just like, yeah, things. like yeah. Central London and being like, because imagine like everyone here yeah. dressed how they're dressed exactly. or like just walking through Regent Street, like. Yeah. yeah. That would be like. Opposition. Yeah. I feel like that would be more like. Confronting. Yes, I feel like. We should be yeah. more pronounced. And this is a little bit like, oh, we're off in the field. No one can see us. You know what I mean? Exactly. Nobody cares. Nobody. I mean, it's nice to be here together, but we, have that. we do this anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's good to see. It's good to see it on a larger scale as well. Because like when I came in, it was just really nice to see people just kind of just like be themselves, be up, you know, up and about and everything. But then I think more like from a political standpoint, just seeing it in the street because like regular pride. We see yeah, them. We see, yeah, you don't. You can't walk everywhere. through Soho and not miss them. But why should we? But like, it feels like seeing all these people. Like, imagine if this was in Central London. Like, yeah. just traffic stopping. Period. Like, like you would, Yeah. Like, we would like a march. Yeah. Yeah. We want to march next year. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna organize the march. Yeah. You hear? <laughs> 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 right. So 
I have a feeling this episode is gonna be. It might be cut. It might be cut. I wanted to continue my discussion with Aisha and dig a little deeper into how we can build stronger, more sustainable communities. What are some of the steps we need to take and how can our allies be part of the building process? So we're sat in the studio at Glasshouse on Brick Lane and it's a space dedicated to everything LGBTQ+, a true brick and mortar community space that's run by members of the community and you are one of the managers here how did this come about and why is it so important to have spaces like this this venue existed before my time because um, it was open beforehand. Um, and then I got involved through a lot of the stuff I do within the community. Um, I found out about the owner of the building and of the space. And she wanted me to be part of it because um, she wanted me to help it become a lot more diverse, but also to give a space for the community, which is, I think, so, so important. Because when we look at queer spaces, we know full well that it's not as inclusive as it should be you know and again you know you think of soho you know soho you know should be the soho so white soho so white right <laughs> it's you know supposed to be the epicenter of queer culture you know and so much has happened through soho you know the gay liberation front through um pride and you know through so much soho has always been there in the history but also it's always been the space that was taken by um gay white men this is what i was talking about pride they didn't bring everybody together it was like oh there's space for gay white men let's come together because during that time you know there's also racism within the queer community yeah so rampant rampant so there's always this element of discrimination yeah. and London has evolved London is diverse but Soho has stayed the same how is that possible because again they refuse to kind of integrate and move forward in time so could it be money though it's a money thing that, it's a power thing it it's economics a, right it is yeah. it is this is what we are saying earlier yeah. Yeah. that there's so many factors and variables mm -hmm. that keeps our community away from these spaces you know like never ever would we be able to be in a space like this ever because in terms of affording it it's just not possible often when you look back it's always the same thing money not being able to have the funding not being able to keep it open not having the right support um so for me this space is so important because it's about allyship yeah you know we talk about supporting using your resources and this is what's happened we have an ally that's like i will be giving up my space i'll be giving up a space so that the community that needs it can actually utilize it and i think that is so important in terms of changing the narrative in terms of giving spaces so that people within our community can feel like they can be seen or they can use it to create a change. I know that there's an anti-capitalism thing yeah. and I get that because it's abusive and exploitative, but we live in that system mm. and so those are the rules of the game, whether yeah. we like the game or not, yeah. but... What, what will it take for us to build infrastructure that lasts beyond just getting grants and funds from people? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. For black queer people yeah. specifically. Now, I, I agree know. with you. It's yeah. like the same with my company. My company that I have, which is called Moonlight Experiences, doesn't rely on funding. 
for that reason as well, because there is this element, you know, funding is so important for so many other organisations and that needs to keep on happening. But there's also the side of us where I feel we need to also be able to get that money because it does exist. So for me, my company exists through nightlife and through travel. The travel industry is big, but I feel like with any business, it feels like we we don't realise our um, ability and capacity and potential. Yeah, and value. And value. Mm. Everything we do, regardless of whether you think, oh, that industry is not for me. Damn right it is. It is. It, all it, of them. All of them. Yeah. All of them, we add so much value and we should be part of them. Mm-hmm. And we should take up those spaces. Mm-hmm. And what it will take for me, for me is like knowledge. Mm. I feel like there's enough, there isn't enough knowledge of perhaps seeing people within that industry. So representation is very, very important. Um, and then next also for me, what I love about this space is for allies to realize what they need to do and how they can truly contribute. That would also su- be really supportive in terms of building for allowing others to nourish, giving them, you know, it's like a stepping stone, you know, giving them a little bit of foundation where they can thrive. I don't think it's about hand-holding all the time in that respect, but it's giving them the tools that they need. That a lot of white people, they just have because they're parents, because of their network, their net worth, yeah. their the communities, like it's just standard, you yeah. know, yeah. that isn't for us, you know. Yeah, what's really, it's been really good for me is I do meet so many people um, doing what I do. So, I, I mean, in terms of travellers, in terms of different stories, different people from different cultures coming to London, I get to meet them, I get to hear about what they're doing, their stories and how they exist within their own kind of community again predominantly queer as well um and i find that black queer americans are a little bit they get it a bit more and they have their own thing some of them they come to london you know i show them around and we'll talk about queer spaces we'll talk about projects festivals and they go aisha where can i put money so that we can support the community you know that's the thing that we're, we're, we're missing quite like a lot by not being able to connect and being able to go, hey, actually also our black community has that worth too. You know, some of them um, do gather together. They're like, you know what, let's let's buy real estate. They're doing that in the US. And that's what we need to do. You know, how can we build these things? How can we grow? How can we, again make money and yeah. make um create financial stability absolutely yeah as well yeah which is why i think uk black pride is so brilliant That's it. and what you do here is brilliant and what you're doing with moonlight experience is so brilliant because you're saying i'm do- i'm gonna I connect get- with everybody yeah and i think that's the energy that we need because that's how you build big things like uk black pride yeah. and common counter and glass no, house it's so, so true and i think this yeah. is how you get better and bigger and also it's not about like oh what can i get out of this yes <laughs> yes and having to drop that mentality because I know I have to uh, work on that sometimes because you get if it's always happening around you yeah. that's the only way you know is like okay what's my credit going to be what's my thing going to what's my do you know what I mean yeah and we do need to drop that yeah and it does need to be about us as a community absolutely yep. first yep. and foremost yep, 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 yep. and also there's something for me it's very different you know it's like 
my community and knowing what we need yes. and the external people are two separate things. True. You know, if you're able to afford more, regardless whether you're in our community or not, you should be given more. But if you can afford things, give it. Yeah. Give it because yeah. we want to support our own community Absolutely. because we say that about others, yes. not supporting us. We have to support ourselves yeah. and keep that black pound circulating longer than it currently does. Because it doesn't stay. It doesn't know? stay. It comes and goes like, like that. Blank, but we blink and it's, it's gone. It's gone to some other community who keep it in theirs. <laughs> and they're like, thank you very much. Yeah, thank I'm you. Catching. No, it's true. It's true. And that's where it starts. It starts in the small things. You build a house brick by brick. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, for example, here at Glass House, we have a particular person that comes here every time they drink our kind of peach iced tea it's mm-hmm. really really nice mm-hmm. and but they come every single time and they told me the other day they did a book event for us here and they said oh I looked at my bank statement and I'm spending 300 pounds on <laughs> nice 300 pounds a month wow what they said yeah it's like I'd rather I'm paying this money to this venue to this space yes. that, that gives me somewhere where I can be myself than you know, any other kind of yeah. coffee places yeah. around yeah. Brick Lane or, you know, commercial coffee okay. houses. And I'm just saying that because I want to, you know, kind of highlight the power of yeah. the little things. Yes. You know, this is peached iced tea. Yeah. Not that it's like 20 pounds. Yeah. It's yeah. little. Yeah. But it all adds up. It does. And that's one person, yeah. two people, three of us. Yes. You know, we talk about we need more spaces, but if we're not out there supporting, buying a book, buying a drink coming mm. paying tickets how's it going to be sustainable <laughs> our priorities need to kind of flip a little yes because then the things we truly want we can build and we can have it mm. you know but it needs to change a little bit more mm. hmm. you're preaching <laughs> you're preaching you're preaching um Aisha, thank you like so much for taking the time to speak with us on the podcast. Thank you for supporting what we do, for supporting this show, for supporting II Studios. And just, yeah, thank you for mm. what you bring to our community. No, thank you for having me. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've enjoyed being here. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Next week, it's music fashion and creative expression. I'll be joined by out and proud gay rapper Keenan to talk about his artistic journey, his incredible performance at this year's UK Black Pride and some of the challenges of being openly gay in the UK music industry. You can find out more about UK Black Pride by visiting ukblackpride.org.uk. AI Studios by visiting AIAIstudios.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at AIAI.studios to find out more about the stories we tell and the amazing people we work with. Also, please rate and leave a review. It really helps us to reach more people. This was an AI Studios podcast in collaboration with UK Black Pride and proudly supported by Gay Times. The UK Black Pride Time Capsule podcast was recorded on location at the Olympic Park in Stratford with Audio Mango and at Glasshouse Studios in London. It was produced by me, Iwen Obinian. The production assistant was Ede Damola Bajomo. Development by Abby Hollick. Field recordings by Toby Adebajo. Theme music by Grown Girl Biscuits. 
with lyrics and performance by Ade. A special thanks to the many volunteers who gave their time and energy to support us on the day.